0: So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, with prostitutes come home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found may god bless the reading of his word
1: Thank you, Dan. Stranger in the Father's House. The so-called parable of the the prodigal son in this chapter is one of the most familiar passages, one of the most familiar parables that Jesus presented. And the parable has three main characters. Three main characters. It's the father, the younger son, and the older son. And this is a parable of love, a parable of forgiveness, and also of joy. And my sermon today will focus not on the younger son, but on the older son, the son who is dutifully working out in the field. Now, we aren't told why the older brother is the last to know why he happens to be the last to know about the younger brother coming home. Could it be that the older brother was not getting along with his father and was intentionally working away, way out in the field, afar from the house, so that he did not realize the younger brother coming home? And when he comes in from the field, And perhaps the field is the furthest from the house because it is evening when he gets home and he hears the music and the dancing. He realized there's a party going on. And with a scowl on his face, he asks, why is there music? Why is there dancing? What's going on? And at that instant, at that moment, He learns what everybody else in the family knew, that the younger brother is at home. His younger brother is now at home. And that his father had made a barbecued beef and there was this wonderful celebration going on. And then I would suggest that his scowl turned to anger toward his father and also toward this kid brother. The older son could not understand why father was so happy about this good-for-nothing kid that comes home. The older brother probably had nothing to do with his younger brother as he left then and as he wasted his youthful years, as he wasted his father's money, and now he discovers, the older brother discovers that everybody is running after this kid brother who comes home, running after him, waiting on him hand and foot, so to speak. When the younger son returned from the distant land, the father ran out to meet his son and expressed his love. And and we'll, we'll look at that to a greater degree next Sunday. But he was compassionate and restored him to the, the sonship of the family, gave him all the rights and the privileges and extended immeasurable forgiveness, may, forgiveness that can't be measured, extended that to him. Now the father comes out of the house to meet with his older son. And now it is both sons who receive a welcome home from the father. Both sons, the young son and also the older son, were invited to experience all the privileges, all the opportunities of being part of this family. Now, we don't know whether the older son accepted that invitation, and I'll say more about that later. And the older brother then boasted of himself and his own virtue and his own obedience. And he had made himself a, into a slave and a servant in his father's house. And he informs his father in Luke fifteen, twenty-nine. the first part of, of uh, verse 29, he says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Now, is it really accurate for him to say, all these years I have done everything you've asked me to? But somehow he forgets and he excludes this part of what his father is requesting him to do. He requests this command that his father is giving to him. He excused himself from this command that he come in and rejoice and join in the party and join in the celebration. He didn't realize or somehow he didn't understand that he was, he was uh, not obeying this command that his father and this expectation that his father was giving to him. He conveniently excluded that command and said, I do everything, he self-righteously proclaimed, I do everything that you ask me to. And not only that, I've done everything you've asked me to for all these years. So every day, every day from morning to night, every single day, he lives in an atmosphere of love. He lives in an atmosphere of forgiveness. He lives in an atmosphere of graciousness from the Father. And yet... He is not aware of the father's love because he thinks of himself as a slave and that he is duty-bound to serve his father. He is not aware. He's not aware that his father has the same love, has the same forgiveness to him, even though he thinks he doesn't need it. He, his father has the same love for him that he does, that he has for his younger brother. And he took the love of his father for granted. He took the love of his father for granted. Helmut Thielecki says, and I quote, the worst thing that can happen to our Christianity is to let it become a thing taken for granted, which we wear around every day, just as the elder brother wore and wore out his existence in the Father's house as he would wear out an old, tattered shirt, end of quote. So I would suggest that we as believers need to give thanks to God every single day, to have an attitude of love and graciousness and gratitude for the love that God has given to us. We are compelled, we are compelled to reflect on and to meditate the wonder of God's love and God's forgiveness toward us so that our Christianity does not become stale and that we see ourselves as slaves rather than as daughters and sons in God's kingdom. This will keep the love of Christ alive in our hearts and in our lives. This will keep the freshness of Christ alive in our experience. So he was duty-bound, more a slave than a son, and he used the form of that word when he says in 29a, which he claims to be the father, all these years, he says, I've slaved for you. There's a story of an immigrant family, and they were crossing the ocean on the ship from Europe to the United States. And because the family was poor, they packed cheese and hard bread to sustain them on the long journey as they crossed the ocean. And each day, the family ate the cheese and the bread, which became increasingly stale as they did so. And near the end of the trip, one of the children of the family, as children enjoy doing, one of the children went exploring, and she discovered a passenger dining room. So as she came to the dining room, she was ushered into the dining room and was served a wonderful and delightful six-course meal, far more food than she had ever seen before. Uh, in, in one place at one time. And, of course, when she did not return at the appointed time to her family, her father went looking for her. And when he found her, he was aghast when he discovered what she has done, had done and what she had finished doing, eating this six-course meal. And he said, how will we ever How will we ever pay for all this food? And then the steward in the dining room informed him that the meals were included in the price of the ticket. The family, the entire family, not just the daughter, the entire family could have been eating in the dining room every single day, all the time, from the beginning of the trip until now. The older brother was at home the entire time and could have been enjoying the delights of sonship, could have been enjoying the delights of the love and the graciousness of the father. But instead, he saw himself as a slave, as a devoted slave, duty-bound to serve slaving away for the father day in and day out, rather than enjoying the delights of being a son in this family. Neither, neither of the sons had a real and a genuine relationship with the father. The younger son didn't have a good relationship with his father. He saw the father as a source of money so that he could do as he pleased. And as we study the character of the younger son, the prodigal abuses his father's goodness, but much later when he returns home, he realizes and he understands because he experiences the true character of his father. The forgiveness and the love and the acceptance that the father welcomes his prodigal son home. But the, And the older son, the older son also did not have an adequate connection to his father. He did not know his father as one who would be, who would be compassionate and generous. He did not experience the love as of his father. Look at the encounter while the celebration party is going on. Look at the encounter between father and the older son while this party is going on. The elder son Refused to address his father as father and also refused to address his younger brother as brother but instead separates himself from his brother and says to his father, he says, this son of yours, he doesn't say my brother, he says this son of yours when he comes home. So in both ways, both sons, Grieved the father because both sons did not appreciate and, and experience, did not understand the compassion and the generosity of the father, the older son in particular. So both sons stand on the outside and have not really accepted the father's love, grace, and mercy. They stand on the outside. In essence, the father is saying to him, because you are my child, I am your father. And because the prodigal is my child, he is your brother. And notice also in verse 31, the father lovingly calls him, my dear son. The father doesn't scold. The father doesn't castigate him for the way he is acting. For the sullen way that he is standing outside while the celebration is going on. Instead, as I read this parable, I sense a a note of sadness, a note uh, and a tone in the manner of the father, the father, of being really sad and being concerned that here the older son who has been at home is not welcome or is not willing to. Receive the welcome that to come in to the party. And so the father says to him, in verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Look, my dear son. Note the tenderness, note the compassion. The father proclaims, that all his goats, all his cattle, everything that he has, is available to the to the son. The son thought of himself as a slave, as I emphasized earlier, but he really is a son, and he, it's time he takes avails himself of the blessings that the father has for him. He failed to realize that his father wanted to give him love and affirmation and. The many things, the many blessings he could have, the, the rights and privileges of sonship. Helmut Theele says quote, "The older son shows us how it comes about that we doubt the Father, that we question him and quarrel with him, that even in the midst of our church going and our Bible reading, we still feed." upon the food of swine. What a wretched thing it is to call oneself a Christian and yet be a stranger and a grumbling servant in the Father's house. And what a glorious thing it is to become aware that every day anew of the miracle there is someone who hears us, someone who is waiting for us, someone who finds a way out for us, when all we can do is wear out ourselves with worry. End quote. Isn't this really a sad situation? The older son who is at home is a stranger at home. The older son who is at home, metaphorically, is in a far country also, just like his younger brother. In defending himself for not going into the party, he preached his own self-righteousness to his father. And we too, in our pious way, there are times when we claim we would never do such and such like somebody else, that we would never be involved in such a sin, that we would never engage in the sins of the others around us, but if we claim to be righteous in ourselves, we are out of touch. We are like the older brother and are out of touch with our father. If we relate to God only as a slave and we are bound by duty, we have not then experienced the love and the mercy of God. One author suggests that if we relate to God in this way, we have no sense of who God is, and we do not have a valid and a strong relationship with God our Father. There are times that many of us are offended by God's grace toward another, especially if we have serious questions, if we have serious reservations about that person's conduct or about that person's character about whether they really are a true Christian. We are offended by the grace and the blessings that God pours out upon their lives. Yet all of us, all of us, whether we're the younger brother or whether we're the older brother, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, tells the story of Mel White A friend of Yancey's, who was a homosexual person, and at one point, a TV interviewer asked Mel White's parents on question on camera. You know what other Christians are saying about your son? They say he is an abomination. What do you think about that? Well, the mother answered in a quivery voice, "He may be an abomination." but he's still our pride and joy. And Yancey goes on to say that that line has stayed with him because it's a heart-rending definition of grace. Mel White's mother expressed how God views each of us, and in some ways, we are all abominations to God. We've all sinned, and yet somehow against all reason god loves us anyway and we are still so to speak to put it in her words we are still god's pride and god's joy god still loves each of us no matter how deep our sin grace declares that that we are still god's pride and joy and then as the parable concludes We have this refrain in verse 32. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. This echoes the words in verse 23 and 24 at the end of the first scene when the brother comes, the younger brother comes in from the far country. Now, Those of you who like your stories all wrapped up neat and tidy at the end uh, will be disappointed by this this story. Because the parable ends without the, the scripture, the story that Jesus told, ends without telling us whether the older brother went in to join the party or not. And the father invited him to come in to the feasting, the celebration, beef barbecue, music, and dancing and to rejoice because this kid brother came home. But it's very likely that he remained outside, listening to the sounds of the party, continuing to nurse his anger and toward his younger brother. And he's thinking, he's probably thinking, let this kid brother return home, but let him return home with two to water and bread, not a party, and with workman's clothes and gloves ready to work on the farm. That's probably what he's thinking. So what are the takeaways? At least these are listed in your uh, sermon notes on the, uh, in, your, in your bulletin. The first takeaway is God calls us. God calls us to rejoice when others come into the kingdom. When persons come to God in repentance, God invites us to come to the party and rejoice with them to celebrate the joyous occasion when a person repents and comes home. Secondly, this parable suggests to us that the kingdom in the kingdom, we must be joyfully aware. We must be aware of God's grace and God's goodness in our own lives and God's work in our lives, rather than defending to the father with the self-righteous attitude that the older son had. We cannot, cannot, my dear people, depend on our own works of righteousness. And then I would ask the third takeaway, I would ask us to do some reflection. In which areas of our lives are we like the older brother? Are we standing outside listening to the sounds of the party while the party and the celebration are going on? And then what are the blessings that we are missing out on? What are the blessings if we see ourselves as slaves rather than as daughters and sons of God? And as we reflect on this parable, this parable with the three main characters, let us, I would encourage us, not to follow the example of the older brother. He was home, dutifully carrying out. He was home in a sense. In another sense, he wasn't home because he didn't experience the blessings of home. He was home, dutifully serving the father, but not experiencing the blessings of his father. And while he was at home, he was not enjoying the meals in the dining room like the immigrant family could have been enjoying, who was surviving. He, like the immigrant family, was surviving on stale bread and cheese. And let us, my sisters and brothers, rejoice and come into the celebration to the Father's invitation who invites us to celebrate? Amen. May it be so. We'll share it in the closing psalm.